What's going on, Bulls fans? Welcome to another episode of Chicago Bulls Central, your number one spot for everything Chicago Bulls related on today's episode. It's Saturday, so it's the mailbag episode. We're going to get into everything, all your questions, voicemails, everything like that. But first, before that, we got to talk about what's going on with the Bulls and their two-way contract. So we're going to get into all that and more right after this. You are now tuned in to Chicago Bulls Central, your number one spot for all things Chicago Bulls, hosted by Hayes. All right, Bulls fans. So as I posted a a short video yesterday, the Bulls did sign Costas Antetokounmpo to the two-way contract, Um, and they've they've waived Justin Lewis. Now, they also signed a a Coral White, um, and that led to some speculation that Malcolm Hill may have been waived as well, but it seems like they actually signed and waived a Coral White which is a indicative of a G League deal coming soon for him. So that leaves that Malcolm Hill may still be on that two-way contract for the Chicago Bulls. Now, in, in the waving of Justin Lewis, which is something I didn't get to talk about because that news actually dropped after I posted the video yesterday about the signing of Acosta Sanchez de Cupo, with, the, with, the, with waving Justin Lewis, it seems like because of his injury, he's still going to be in the Bulls facility. He's still going to get to work out. They're still going to have him in their system. It doesn't seem like it's going to be as of a risk of him going somewhere else um, that, you know, they probably worked that out with his agent just to say, hey, we want to we get some looks at some other people since you're not going to be ready to go this whole season. You still have access to our facilities. You're still going to be here in our building working with our players, things like that. But we're going to go ahead and remove that two-way contract. Probably don't be surprised if early into next offseason, he's immediately signed back or maybe signed to a G League deal. But Justin Lewis, it seems like, still going to stay in the Chicago Bulls organization. But the thing that's going on with the Chicago Bulls and their apparent two-way contracts is that it's going to be still seemingly Malcolm Hill and Costa Santos DeCupo. Coral White, who a lot of people thought yesterday was going to get that other two-way deal, is now seemingly to go to the G League. So we'll see what happens. Coral White. Um, is a 30-year-old uh, player who I think was in our system at one point. He played over in Greece, overseas. He seems to be a wing-slash-big, um, a three-slash-four that can stretch the four a little bit. But again, I think sometimes with this whole thing, we make more of it than what it is. Two-way contract players aren't going to ever play a lot. They can only play, I think it's 14 games or 15 games in the NBA before you. they have to stay down in the G League or you have to convert them to a guaranteed contract. Considering the Bulls don't have any open roster spots, that's more than likely not going to happen. So Costas, Malcolm Hill, Justin Lewis, Okora Wright, whoever it is, isn't going to get, ideally, isn't going to get any time, if, 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 if any, very little on the actual Chicago Bulls roster because hopefully we're more healthy this season, things like that. I do look at this Costas onto the Cooper thing. I know it's, it's a lot of things now with thinking and saying, hey, we're actually trying to maneuver to get Giannis. This is a long-term plan if it is that. I said before, even when the signing happened, that it has to be something basketball-wise that they see in Costas Antetokounmpo. He did not look good in his min- in his few minutes during preseason. Just he, I'm sorry, Costas Antetokounmpo is not a good basketball player. Some people were like, "Oh, maybe he can replace Tony Bradley," things like that. I don't even see it as that. Like Costas is just not that good yet. But maybe they do see enough to where they think they can develop something out of him. But we'll see what the Bulls do. It's just always interesting to see how the how the maneuvers go up and down. The Windy City Bulls, as I said before, are going to probably be a fun watch. I don't know about how good the basketball being played is going to be, but it's probably going to be a fun watch. So be on the lookout for that. All right, let's go ahead and get into what we're here for for today, and that's the mailbag. This first voicemail, this one's from Reginald. Yo, what up, hey? This is Reginald from uh, Columbus, Georgia. Uh, I'm just calling you to follow up on uh, what I was saying on your podcast or in the live chat. Um, I know a lot of uh, teams are going to want to tank for uh, Victor, but there's only a couple of teams I see that actually have a shot at getting him. 
uh, versus uh, Charlotte, Washington, Orlando, India, Sacramento. Uh, I don't actually think uh, Charlotte is going to tank. I just think they suck. They Honestly, they have like two or three good players, and the rest are like, I'm just surprised they're in the league. But um, I could see Charlotte trading like uh, Gordon Hayward. You know, he only has two years left on his deal, and they could use him in a sort of a three-team uh, swap to help with the salary. Uh, and probably pick up a first round or two. Uh, I think they want to, uh, Charlotte will want to, well, Jordan will want to put Lonzo Ball with Mark Williams. Not Lonzo Ball, but, uh, LaMelo Ball with Mark Williams, with Victor. I think he hopes that's a possibility for him to turn that franchise around. Uh, Washington, you know, they're probably going to, they won't hesitate to trade Porzingis or Kuzma. Um, but does that make them worse? Of course, but once again, just like Charlotte, they still suck, so. Whether they trade them or not is irrelevant. However, one player I think uh, might, well, two players, Mature Maker, he's there. We really liked him in uh, Summer League, but, you know, things happened and he moved on. But, hey, his contract's only worth like a million, so that's easily gettable. And this is uh, a surprise for me, Gaffer. Like, he's a good player, but is he worth that big contract he got just to come off the bench as a center? No, in my opinion. But at the same time, can uh, his he's only worth what two million? He's only making two million this year. So you could say, hey, we'll trade Tony Bradley for Daniel Gaffer. I don't know if the salary cap will allow it, but they both this year make about the same amount. But that also messes you up because you still want to resign Kobe and uh, Kobe and Vooch. So that's just looking at the contract, you know, after this year is a bit much, but. Then again, you got to ask yourself, can Gafford uh, play the four in spot minutes? You know, we always talk about how we need size, rebounding, shot blocking. Gafford does give you that. But. And so Reginald left this great comment on one of our live streams asking about teams tanking for Victor Wimbiana. And so I love the list that he gave there. Charlotte, Washington, Indiana, Orlando, Jazz. These are all teams that you can see um, possibly making a tank. For Victor Wimbiana. Now, what does that mean as far as their rosters? That anybody on those rosters that they are going to uh, be willing to then move, right? That the Bulls could possibly go after. I, again, I've said this before. I don't see the Bulls making a major move. Even, you know, we have a voicemail later on about Jay Crowder, and I'll get into that. So I'm not going to talk about that too much here. But when you look at those teams, I, I know some Bulls fans are going to say Miles Turner. Should we take a look at Miles Turner? I don't know if we're going to match the players that we would have to include to match that contract. I don't know. Um, especially when you look at like Derek Favors was just is going to be waived, expected to be waived um, and made available. So could the Bulls go that route? Still don't know if that actually does things. We'll see if they t- replacing Tony Bradley with a Derek Favors isn't bad. Right. Because I still think Derek Favors is a more competent player than Tony Bradley. But looking at this team, I think the one that I would look out for is that Charlotte Hornets. If the Charlotte Hornets do decide to tank. Right. We know I think LaMelo's hurt, but it's not a serious injury. But depending on how their season goes. If they do decide to go ahead and pull the plug, tank, um, at that point, you may see Jello Ball, who's not an NBA player, start every game after they decide to tank. Little dig there. Um, but if they do decide, is P.J. Washington available, right? If they if they think that they're going, and this may not even be during the season, right? This, this may not come to fruition until actually in the draft. We may see a, a team like Charlotte wait. If they lock in their number one pick, they may be willing to move some of the players that they have there. Pairing a Victor Wimbiana with a Mark Williams could be interesting from the uh, the defense offensive perspective. It just locked down defense from the for- front court. The more interesting thing that I think in all of this is that as for, for like the last decade plus, it's been a guard-driven league. 
with more with the modern day mobile big as more of those come into the NBA with the defensive versatility with the wingspans could we see the NBA actually change into being a more big man league right could it could it be more of a big man league and go back to that um and the defensive anchors there with also having the ability to stretch the floor things like that could that could that happen could that happen I, it's a possibility for sure um but you know with with that being said like any other teams that I think could could uh could potentially tank the Kings are always a possibility to tank because they're just not a good team. You can look at them possibly moving Sabonis if that does happen. We actually heard some rumors during the summer that they may be interested in moving Sabonis, which was weird considering they just got him. So could there be something uh, there? Houston's always going to be a possibility as well. So we'll see. San Antonio, I think, is definitely going that direction when you look at trading DeJounte Murray and stuff like that. And the Portland Trail Blazers, considering if they're, I know that they want to try to compete. When you look at the moves that they made, they definitely made some moves that that were to say, hey, we're going to try to make the playoffs. But if for some reason about midway about the trade deadline, that it doesn't seem like they're going to make it, they are really incentivized to go ahead and tank. A, if they make the playoffs, we get their pick. B, so they can keep their own pick and possibly make a shot at Victor. There's a lot of questions and things that go on, but it's, the tank is going to be on out. To how this relates to the Bulls, does any team make a player available in their interest of tanking? I guess we'll remain and see. We'll have to actually see how things start shaking out for teams. Like I said, P.J. Washington is definitely one that I'll look at. I can't think of anybody off the top of my head of Washington that we would want. So I don't. I just don't think that this Bulls team is set to make a big trade for a player that makes double digits as far as millions just because we just we don't have the contracts or that you're starting to look at giving up players that are part of this core. I mean, technically, could they give enough? Like, could they could they work up enough with Kobe White, you know, uh, Derek Jones Jr. if it comes to that? Like, they can get up to like $10, $11 million with some of the back end, back end of the bench contracts. I just... I don't know if this team does that this offseason. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. We'll, it, we'll continue to monitor it as it seems like players are going to come available. We'll continue to monitor that for sure. All right, let's go ahead and move on. Let's get into this next one. This one is from Jamal. Hey, what's up, Hey, Is this your boy Jamal? Back again. Another boy smell for you. So preseason is officially over for the Bulls. We are going into the regular season as of next week. It's upcoming week, I should say. And uh, looking real forward to it, man. I'm looking real forward to it. One of the things that I did not get the chance to talk about was how impressed I am with Nikola Vucevic's game that he's been portraying in doing these preseason games. You know, I know a lot of people have had their doubts about, you know, Vooch and everything when we traded for him, and especially after last season where, yeah, I think towards the, as the season progressed, internally he got better at, you know, dropping down his internal bunny shots and post shots and things like that, but his three ball was looking horrible. And what I'm, I'm noticing is that his three-point shot this year, at least in the preseason, is looking so much better than what it was previously. He's not taking as many of them, but more importantly, he's taking them within the flow of the offense, you know? It, now he's not just doing a pick-and-pop or pick-and-pop just to shoot a three and trying to get up eight, eight or nine threes a game. Now he's actually just shooting two or three of them, four threes a game, just to keep the defense honest. But primarily, he's doing the damage of his work either in the mid or in the post and towards the uh, closer towards the basket, which is why he's shooting so heavily and efficiently from the field. Again, if Vooch can give us that while giving us somewhere between 20 points, quick question. What are the odds you think uh, that the Bulls could have three All-Stars on the uh, All-Star game instead of just two at that point in time? Jamal asked a great question there. Can the Bulls have three All-Stars this upcoming season? And what I'll say with this is, for the Bulls to have three All-Stars, it's going to absolutely have to take for the Bulls to win. 
They have to be winning. They have to be winning. They have to fare better on nationally televised games. They have to fare better on against the better competition in the East, which they do have a lot at the beginning of the season leading up to the between the start of the season and the All-Star break. The Bulls would have to not only win, but they would have to look really good against those teams. Not win every game, because that's just impossible to win every game against the better teams in the league, but they would have to be in that spot. Even last year having two All-Stars, right? The Bulls played, they were, what, number one in the East at that time. I think they had maybe started falling down at that point in time. But so you would have to be at that. You have to be one of the best teams, clearly one of the best teams in the league. The Bulls do have the nationally televised games to do so. Keep in mind, fan vote is still a big part of, of All-Star we- Weekend. And so having um, uh, good showings on nationally televised games does help that. But they would definitely have to have one of the better records in the East. And they would have to be faring good against the better competition in the NBA for the Bulls to have three All-Stars. Is there a chance? Yes, there is definitely a chance. But the Bulls have to take care of business for that chance to come to fruition. All right, let's get into this next one. This one's from Michael Korn. Hi, Hayes. Michael Korn here. Um, I liked your last uh, cast about uh, who shined and who didn't shine. What occurs to me, and this is based on your overall grade for the team, which is a little bit higher than the B-, minus. but uh, I think what we're seeing is the Bulls this year, this season, have a great mix of vets and youth. Um, so uh, if they continue to play the way they are, with a lot of chemistry, with a good tempo, um, this we could see that the sum is greater than the parts. Uh, hopefully, in this case, uh, I'd love to see how the Bulls do. And to answer your question, yeah, Bulls will kick ours against the Heat first game, and I think they're going to surprise people. Hey, thanks for the, the great uh, commentary and all the work you do um, to get get your show on, and uh, enjoy listening. Hey, thanks a lot. Bye-bye. All right, Michael, I think this is his first time leaving a voicemail. The Bulls playing with pace and tempo. This is one of the things that I've been talking about even before we actually see, saw it happen, right? I've been talking about this literally since in the middle of last season when I talked about players standing around and, and fans complaining about iso ball, but you had no players moving without the ball. Playing with, with the pace, playing with the tempo, playing with the movement is always going to make your off your your offense more or harder to guard, right? It's going to make it more effective. So as long as the Bulls continue to do that, like that has to be something that they stick to. It has to be something that even when they lose a few games, even when they're having the tough, they have to stick to that. Yes, there are going to be times in the fourth quarter where DeMar has to go to work. There's going to be times in quarters where Zach Levine takes over. It's going to have to be that, right? That's why you have those type of players on your team. But generally, night in and night out, it can't be ISO, ISO, ISO. It has to be playing with place, playing with ball movement. And the Bulls bench is going to be a big part of that as well. I think the ball movement is better on the bench when you look at having Caruso and Vooch, I'm sorry, Caruso and um, Drogic out there together. That's instant ball movement, almost whoever, regardless of whoever you have out there. When you factor in Andre Drummond playing the way that he has, even Derrick Jones Jr.'s ability to operate in space, Kobe coming off screens, moving a little bit more, playing with his head up a little bit more. And then if you factor in Dalen Terry getting minutes with his playmaking ability and court vision on top of that, this team is going to be a nice mix of that vet and uh, younger player that, that Michael did mention. But that pace and tempo is going to be key for the Bulls offense to not stagnate when in the dog days of the season like it did last season. It's going to be key for that. All right, let's go ahead and move into this next voicemail. This one's from Ace. What's up, Hayes? This is Ace calling in again. I want to talk about this uh, this upcoming first game against the Miami Heat. And I really, really, man, I wish I wish to God, I wish I could send some smoke signals to DeMar DeRozan or something. Somehow, some way this message gets to him. But I need DeMar DeRozan to play with more aggression against his friends. Like, 
seems to me every time he's played, now don't get me wrong, the numbers, the numbers are okay, but the aggression isn't there, the toughness isn't there. When he plays against like Jimmy Butler and Kyle Lowry and those guys, I feel like it's a friendly matchup. I feel like they just went out the night before on South Beach and kicked it all night long, and they're just going through the motions. Well, DeMar, in my opinion. I've seen Zach try and really get at Jimmy Butler based on how they both got traded around the same time to different teams. But DeMar kind of goes through the motions when he, go, when he goes against Kyle Lowry and Jimmy Butler for some reason. I need him to play angry. I don't know how he's going to get – I don't know how it's going to happen. I don't know if y'all noticed this or not. But he tends to play a little bit nicer against his friends. Hell, even LeBron, I've seen him play nicer with LeBron. It's like, man, come on, dude. Throw that same aggression you play against everybody else. So let me know your thoughts on that. I'll let y'all later. All right. So hey, this is sometimes I think as fans, and I do it too, right? This isn't uh, anything just against Ace, is that we, we, we look for things, right? To say that DeMar, and I looked it up, he, and I only looked up uh, Jimmy specifically because he mentioned it. In the last three games against uh, the Miami Heat uh, last season, Jimmy averaged well over 20 points per game, about seven uh, rebounds per game, and about three assists. Like, that's not, like, I get it that you want to see the aggression, but sometimes it's more about a methodical approach. Like, so, like to, and even some people who do that with Patrick Williams, well, he needs to be more aggressive. Like, I would rather have a player play smart than necessarily aggressive, like, if that if that's their game. And DeMar's game is very an intelligence-based game. So I don't think that I've seen anything that stood out that says that DeMar takes it easier or lighter on his friends or anything. He still goes at them. Uh, even when you look at like him and how he went at Kevin Durant the first time we played the, the Nets last season, a couple of times we played the Nets last season. Um, so I don't know if he necessarily is le- is is less aggressive. I just I just personally haven't seen that. You guys, let me know what you look at, what what you think about that down below. I think sometimes we just we, we kind of try to look for storylines, and like I said, I do it too. So it, it, yeah, let me know what you guys think. All right, let's move into this next one. This one's from Fred. What's up, Hayes? This is your boy Fred from Walker, Louisiana. First time caller, diehard Bulls fan. Oh, man, I got a few questions. Do you think Patrick Williams going to get his starting spot back? Oh, do you think the Bulls are going to go after Jay Crowder? And I just got one more question. What's up with Draymond Green? I know this is not about the Bulls. This is a little off topic. But I got to know, what's wrong with Draymond Green? This is not what you see from a returning champion. Like, it's crazy, man. But I like Al DeSumo. What you think Billy Donovan going to do with the, with the, with the lineup? Do you think he's going to change things up? He's going to switch players out? What you think they're going to do with Kobe White? And do you think Zach Levine need to, like, get out there and just ball and shine? I know DeMar's going to do his thing. I like Al DeSumo, you know, so just let me know what you think. All right. Fred asked a question that's going to be on a lot of Bulls fans' mind. Can Patrick Williams get his starting spot back? Yes, he absolutely can get his starting spot back. He may even have it by the, by the, start of, by the Miami Heat game. He may very well be the starter back by then. We'll see. We'll see if he's the starter again by then. I'm not sure. He may be. Um, he may not be. But uh, I think with the way that Javante has played, you can understand why they would want to play Javante Green a little bit more. But I think when you look at certain matchups, and what it may end up being is that it's dependent upon the matchup. If you're playing a team that starting lineup is a little bit smarter, smaller, we may see Javante out there. If we're if we're playing a team that has a bigger uh, front court, you may see Patrick Williams out there. He may he may go do it up and down like that just because that may be what Billy Donovan finds effective and kind of it, it it keeps teams from necessarily betting on one matchup. But I think we're going to see a lot of different matchups. I think we're going to see a lot of different combinations of players out there. Um, but as far as Patrick Williams, I would say this. If Patrick Williams doesn't win that starting spot back, 
it's going to cause even more questions for a fourth, fourth overall pick that a lot of Bulls fans are down on. I'm not, right? And I think that going to the bench could very well benefit Patrick Williams, but I do think Patrick Williams is going to eventually get that starting spot back. He just has to learn to, to play like he has been playing um, or like he played that last preseason game, in in my opinion. Will the Bulls pursue Jay Crowder? I think that what we're seeing, if you look at the NBA and the fact that they wanted to get a deal done even before training camp and it's not happening, that most teams in the NBA are waiting for the Suns just to get to the point where they buy out Jay Crowder. I, fu I, I fully believe that that's what's happening in the NBA right now is that most teams are just going to say, hey, we're not going to trade. We're not going to give up a bunch of assets to trade for a player that's making the amount of money Jay Crowder is making when you clearly don't want him on your team. You're clearly moving in a different direction. Um, let's just wait and see if the Suns buy him out. And they may get to that point. Um, I think there were, there, were, there were similar situations last season. I just can't remember which one it was off the top of my head. But we've seen that in the NBA before. That teams will try to move a player to see if they can get any type of assets back rather than just, you know, reach uh, reach a buyout. And then eventually, if it doesn't happen, they go ahead and do the buyout. They move on. The player and the team move on. It is what it is at that point. Uh, there is some cap savings when you do a buyout. Um, now, could it happen that, you know, going into the season, maybe a week into the season, something like that, or maybe preseason is now ended. Maybe a team is mulling over um, the players that they've seen on the roster and say, hey, we just need that little bit of something, right? Like a team like Miami. I could see a team like Miami really wanting Jay Crowder, right? Um, but do they give up what's necessary? Do they wait it out? So if the Bulls are going to go after Jay Crowder, I think it's going to be waiting to the buyout market. I think we're going to try to see, much like with the Bulls and the Tony Bradley thing, how they can cut him, uh, then sign a new player at a veteran minimum and then not send them over to the luxury tax. Do they try to do something like that? Very well possible. So we'll see with that. Now, as far as the second question, what's going on with Draymond Green? I have no idea, bro. I think that we, we've seen it before. Draymond does not respond very well to contract situations. He just doesn't. Um, and so maybe the contract, the looming contract situation with him, the fact that Jordan Poole is up for an extension at the same time, the fact that maybe the Golden State Warriors just maybe may have to make a decision between Jordan Poole or Draymond, or maybe Draymond doesn't get the money that he thought, especially if you look at Wiseman. If Wiseman is able to come in and give anything right be that kind of that double double player not averaging a lot of points but be that double double and blocks and stuff it may make Draymond obsolete in a way now Draymond's been hugely important to what this team has done in their championship runs right but when you look at it at some point in time everything kind of means and while the owner of the of the Warriors always seems like he's going to be willing to pay the luxury tax when you look at Draymond his antics things like that they may say go ahead and move on like at some point like you definitely can see that the Warriors wanted to have that passing of the torch Whereas when Steph Clay, Draymond pass on, the Jordan Pools, the Wisemans, the Wiggins, they kind of just, they step into those positions and you can steady build around them and add pieces around them and hopefully get back to being a contender at some point in time. But I think that maybe what Draymond is given with the attitude and stuff, maybe it becomes detrimental to that. And we see them move on from that. I do think there's a chance that Draymond Green does not, is not a warrior by his, with his next contract, but I still am thinking it's an overwhelming possibility that he's going to be a warrior and he's probably just going to get less money than we was expecting. When you look at Draymond, his production has been going down. His efficiency has also been going down. I don't know if Draymond is going to get the money out in the open market that the Warriors would give him, even if they do give him a low ball deal. You'll, we'll have to wait and see with that. We'll see. But I think that's what's going on with Draymond. As far as your next question, how would Billy Donovan manage the lineup? I'm going to tell you what right now. I have no idea. I have no idea. I have none. Because you can literally make an argument for about 11 players on this roster getting minutes right and that's even before Lonzo Ball comes back I think what the thing is is that this Bulls team ran out of legs at times I don't think we're going to be that team anymore that runs out of legs I just don't see that I think that we're going to be a deep team a team that goes deep early and often in the NBA season 
Um, and that's really what I'm what I'm seeing. I think we're going to be a team that it, that uses our depth very well and that's effective. That has different play styles coming in and off the bench, things like that. The thing that the the biggest questions as far as the lineup to me personally are Dalen Terry. Where does Dalen Terry fit in? If he has earned those minutes, what's his preseason play? I think he has at least a few, right, eight minutes or something a game. Where does he get him in at? Does Kobe White improve play as far as everything else but shooting, like him being able to still give stuff even when his shot isn't falling? How many minutes do you give him when you factor in Goran Dragic, uh, Alice Caruso, all being guards as well? Um, and then Andre Drummond is going to get his minutes. I don't think that's the question. The other question outside of that is the Javante Patrick Williams dynamic. Depending on who's in that starting lineup, who's on the bench, how does that change the rest of the players and the, and the minutes that they get? It's going to be a very interesting um, season for Billy Donovan to figure out the lineups and the, and the, and the, the permutations of those lineups that give you the best. Um, but I think it's it's up to him. It's up to him and his coaching staff. That's what they're there for. They have to find a way to manage that. Now, as far as the last question, Zach Levine. Um, Zach has to has to be Zach. He has to go back to the Zach that we were getting in the seasons before this knee injury, the back issue, things like that. This was his first season. He did not improve. I think we're going to see improve Zach Levine. I think we're going to see locked in Zach Levine. Zach Levine has been also locked in more defensively in preseason than what he usually is as well. Hopefully that carries on into the regular season. I'm not really worried about his offense or the shot falling. I, I, if, if Zach Levine is more focused on the defensive end, and I think when you look at the Bulls' tempo, the player movement, the, the, the random offense, it hopefully not as much as relied on DeMar and Zach to just be, be they're still going to be the engine of the offense, but not just be the end-all and be-all of the offense. It allows him to focus more on the defensive end. Zach is, go, is going to be poised to have a big season. I think he's going to be top 10 in the league in scoring for sure. Um, I just need to see him make those defensive improvements. I want to see this be the season that Zach Levine moves over from being a damn good player in the NBA where people start realizing and with his play that he's one of the best players in the NBA. That's what I hope to see from Zach Levine. I hope to see him step up more in big moments, not make some of the, the crunch time bad uh, decisions that he makes at times. I want to see those type of things happen for Zach Levine this upcoming season. And I think that they will happen as well. I think that they will happen. I do trust that they will happen. But let me know what you guys think of everything down below. But that is it for me for today. Make sure you're following the show at Bull Central Pod. You can send us any feedback, questions, comments, concerns, bullcentralpod at gmail.com. Lastly, if you want to leave a text and our voicemail, the number to do so, 773-270-2799. We're the number one spot for everything Chicago Bulls related because you guys, and like I like to end every episode on, go Bulls. Love you guys. Peace, y'all. This has been a presentation of The Break Media. Break Media.